listening to the Village Church Podcast Show. Okay, and welcome to episode one of our Village Church Podcast Show. I am Mark, and so glad you are listening. We wanted this first episode to kind of be foundational, uh, and so what we wanted to do is talk to the pastors of our church, uh, just get to know them, give you an opportunity to hear uh, about their lives and their heart, and then we're going to talk about, I kind of started off giving them a rapid fire of questions so that you could get to know them, and then we started talking about everything uh, from marriage uh, to questions that you guys have asked. Uh, we get email at the church all the time. So one of the things we want to do on this show is open up that email once in a while and answer your questions. And so uh, make sure that you, you know, if you have things that you think about or whatever that you want clarification on, uh, email those into the church. And we want to make sure that we answer those sometimes on this show. What we want to do also on this podcast show is uh, is really unpack uh, everything from uh, leadership to theology uh, to things going on in culture. And we want to do it from a wide variety of angles. And we want to talk to people uh, and we want to try to enter into interesting stories, things that you'll find interesting and helpful and equipping for you. And so we're going to do everything from interviewing pastors on things or leaders on issues to regular people, uh, hear their stories. And so uh, in this episode, we wanted to start off by you getting to know our pastors. And so we sat down with all six of us around a table for our first show, and we uh, discussed a lot of things. So hope you enjoy it. First episode of the Village Church Podcast Show. Uh, we are here with the pastors of our church. Uh, I am Mark. Why don't you just go around the, the room here to say your name? Josh. John. Cliff. Eric. We <laughs> 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 even did a circle. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. Okay, so we're sitting around with the uh, with the six of us, and we're going to be talking about issues. Uh, and this first show is really just uh, almost a buffet, a potpourri of a whole bunch of different stuff. A lot of the shows going forward, uh, I'm going to try to interview people and really have more specific topics that we hit and delve into on a deeper level. But I figured the first show, this was a great opportunity to get to know our pastors, some of our leaders. So we're going to just talk about a whole bunch of things so that you can get to know these guys. Uh, and so first thing I wanted to do was so that you, our audience, could get to know them a little bit is do some rapid fire questions. So I'm going to hit them and then just go around the circle and tell us your answer. We'll start with Josh. Uh, Josh, uh, tell us your favorite movie of all time. Uh, Dumb and Dumber, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just, I would wow. not have guessed that. Oh, I, wow. I couldn't breathe. You, okay. I'm watching uh, looking at you, I would not have thought huh. that. That is a good one. You know, something, the theory oh, of everything or something that's real right. heavy and deep. It's deep. But okay, Dumb yeah. and Dumber. All right. One of the greatest comedies of all time. That's right. It was yeah. and is still. Quoted often. Um, not Dumb and Dumber. Probably most impact uh, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Love it. Okay. Eric, favorite movie? Um... Maybe Inception. Okay, yeah. Awesome. That's good, good movie. Yep. Um, because of it, at the time, it was innovative, awesome, it's still precedent setting, it's The Matrix. The Matrix, okay. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say Austin Powers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which was also that would have been good. A, a big trendsetter. Okay, The Matrix. Uh, good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Okay, nice. great. Oh, awesome. Nice. And uh, my, my favorite film to watch over and over again is Lord of the Rings. Uh, the, the film I think is the greatest film of all time is Schindler's List. Oh, well, um, you didn't ask us. Those okay, well, I get I'm hosting, so I get to I get to say what I like. Okay, uh, music on the way into work today, Josh. Didn't. Okay. Uh, so, no, was on the phone. Okay. You're not supposed to be driving and talking, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got Bluetooth. You mean oh, Bluetooth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Adele. 
Hello. Yeah, oh, me too. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Me too. Yeah. Uh, 80s music. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I listen usually to sports radio on the way in. Okay. Although I did pull out old CDs recently, and I have been listening to Radiohead to Ben's okay. CD. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great album. Okay. Nice. Uh, theological hero, Josh. Yikes. Or just uh, uh, someone who's a, a theologian who's influenced you. Calvin. Calvin. All right. Typical. Yeah. Um, probably Keller. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Spurgeon. Yeah, a good one. Uh, Grudem. I'm probably have to say Packer since I'm teaching a class on his stuff. Right, yeah. So probably That's Packer. Uh, and I would say N.T. Wright. <clears throat> I'm teaching Roman's class tonight, and I was reminded how massive of an influence he's had on my thinking. Um, okay, uh, what are you reading right now, Josh? Uh, right dar- now, on the bedside. Daring, Boom. Yeah, Daring Greatly, Brene Brown. It's about vulnerability, courage. Okay. Uh, Fits well with the Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that's <laughs> I watch Dumb and Dumber, good. and then I read about <laughs> I, I probably said Keller because I'm reading the prayer, uh, right, prayer book yeah, right yeah, now. That's great. Mm. I'm reading a book called Temperament. It's about piano tuning. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, Tell us more. Yeah, yeah, I, can I get that Tell book? us more. What the heck? I'm reading that one, too. I would love to talk about it sometime. Yeah, yeah. It's great. All right. Uh, I'm reading Dark Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross nice. and Creativity, Inc. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Theology and Sanity by Frank Sheed. Okay. Um, uh, I'm reading Calvin's biography. So that's the one that, uh, that's interesting right now, going through all that. Okay. Uh, last movie you saw. I'm going to move this way now with Jeremy. Last oh movie you Uh-oh. saw before this conversation. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Uh, okay. Cliff? Okay. Uh, I saw the trilogy of Back to the Future. All three oh, in wow. like two days. What? I went on a bender. You sat down I did. Oh, with Erin. Is with that embarrassing? Wife? No, she wouldn't no, watch no, it with Erin. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She wouldn't watch it with no. even the third one? No. Did you watch it on October the yeah, yeah, whatever? No, day but that did peak me. Oh, is that right? No doubt. It was right. 2015. That was a great movie, man. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. the yeah. uh, Last movie, Eric. Uh, I don't remember the last movie I saw. All right, John. <laughs> this is great. Inception. No. All right, John. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, we were just seeing my daughter and her husband in Cambodia. So in Phnom Penh, we went and saw The Martian. Oh, nice. Really? Okay. nice. That's good. Good. Was there subtitles or was it all English? Or it was, was it? Uh, yeah, Kamai subtitles, but right. it was in English. Nice. Uh, so there it was go. quite all interesting, right, like with three other people yeah. in the theater. All right. Uh, Everest 3D. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. It was good. But not 3D. I just watched it uh, oh, 2D. I thought, I thought about it was it was Breakfast Club. Yeah. That was the last the one I watched. Yeah. It was on TV and I sat and oh, watched through the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> Breakfast Club. Nothing. Let's go back around to Jeremy. The last concert you were at. Oh, man. I don't know if I should say, actually. Why? Is it appropriate? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay? Negative? Like what? No. A, 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 I went with a young adult guy Uh-oh. to see when Wu Tang came to, Wu-Tang, to Vancouver, okay, okay. like last year. Ago? Okay, a year ago, Wu Tang yeah. Clan. I don't nice. know if this counts. Uh, my buddy's fortieth uh, birthday. They formed a band and they did a concert of all of his favorite songs. That sounds awful. It was awesome, actually. Oh, it was. Yeah, Good. it was totally okay. was. All right. What are they uh, called? Do they have a cool name? No. Okay. I saw Maddie on last. Cool. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds eclectic. He's, and he's a DJ. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Where was that? It was at uh, the Vogue. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sean, last concert. Um, trying to think of great, uh, great jazz artist and friend Lila Bialy. John Tesh. Yeah, <laughs> he's, not, he's not jazz. Um, Lila, Lila Bialy. Okay. She was in town from Vancouver. She's from New York, and uh, it's awesome. Nice. Josh, I'm going years back. Uh, <laughs> delirious. Uh, delirious. Wow, that is years. Who's that? Wow. All right. Six years ago. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, okay. Last question for the rapid fire over to Jeremy. What did you do for your last date night with Jenny? 
We went to the Homer Street Cafe. Okay. They had a beautiful rotisserie chicken. Nice. Mm. Love it. Didn't see that on your Instagram account. I'll look for it's it there. next time. Okay, good. In black and white. Yep. Of course. Okay, Cliff, you I and Aaron. I don't know if this counts. Uh, we went for a walk and a hot tub. That, that Does that count? Like just in sure. someone's random hot tub. <laughs> random yard. hot tub. Hey, do you mind? <laughs> Nothing that mind counts for her. It's like squatting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, it, Sweet. Yeah. but that was it. That was right. it. Nice. Real nice. I'm going to go with my next date because okay. we're going. Because <laughs> we haven't had a date in three years. <laughs> no, we're going to see the Rangers crush the nice. Canucks. Oh, nice. When oh, is that? Crush the nice. Canucks. It's, it's going to be in December. Okay. We're excited about that one. So. Nice, nice. Um, probably just sushi, I think, at a great place in Delta. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it was Seeing Everest. It was like seeing two Everest weeks ago. in 3D. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, okay, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to jump into oh, my last date uh, with Aaron was uh, the keg. I think we went to the keg and just hung out, the two of us, which is great when you have three young kids. Um, okay, here we go. I want to get to know you guys a little bit. So, and I want our audience to get to know you a bit. And sometimes they just see us on Sundays or in ministry context. So let's let's delve into a lot of us have different ministry experience here. Some of us have been doing ministry for a year and a half in a formal context. Some of us have been doing ministry for 20 years. So uh, in those times, uh, what is the biggest mistake that you have made in ministry? What is the biggest fumble that you guys have made in your pastoral ministry? Yeah, what comes to mind? Um, yeah, I learned this in the first few months, definitely, that uh, it was only one Savior, I'm not him. And it was just taking on... Um, yeah, all the issues that were coming up in counseling or even outside of that and taking it home with me, trying to figure out what do I do? How do I solve this? How do I fix this? Um, and just the weight of that. It was, I'd wake up anxious, go to bed anxious, all that. Mm -hmm. And then just came to the point where I can't. And how can I serve these people well right. if it's all on me? Right. And yeah. so coming to that place, That's all great. of a sudden anxiety dropped big time. Right. So for the people listening, um, <clears throat> for them, a practical thing for them would be to, as they pastor people, bear one another's burdens, as Galatians mm -hmm. 6 talks about, <clears throat> to bear people's burdens, but somehow be able to um, get through it and not, not allow it to totally destroy your soul as well as you take on people's burdens, which is a delicate mm -hmm. balance, I think, all of us walk as mm -hmm. Christians and pastors. Yeah. And I think the risk too, some people just won't even enter in because it's, yeah, I can't do anything there. Well, right. do what you can do and recognize that you're not the only person yeah. uh, that can care for them. So, so we avoid it rather than that's the temptation, the right? Yeah. Or we get so entrenched in it overburden. Like, yeah, initially I was then feeling, so how do I then set a boundary recognizing what I can do, what I can't do and sure. who's really the author of the healing yeah, that's um, good. in their lives? That's good. All right. Thanks, Josh. My biggest, one, my biggest one. You've is, got to have some. I've got big tons, ones. Cliff. Come on, massive like train week, wreck. You are <laughs> last week this disaster. Yeah, no. Uh, probably the biggest one would be. Uh, it's really broad. Is not um, able to um, define boundaries. Right. Um, whether it's in my ministry, whether it's in my personal life, uh, mm -hmm. in my relationships, or whatnot. And when I trace back the biggest problems in my life and and the damage and my damage is the, is is awful. Uh, it comes down to that one thing, uh, okay. poorly defined boundaries. Right. So what did you do to fix it? And how long has it been since you felt you fixed it? I think it's a process to answer the second yeah. question first, um, because I grew up a certain way, a certain way of thinking. And so, you know, I'm, I was reading books uh, by Townsend McLeod, like Boundaries and whatnot. Um, and that process probably started nine, 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and so uh, moving from there, that's 
that's started reading that and then mm-hmm. finding the courage to actually to communicate to people what my boundary was that was the hardest thing right uh, so give us an example of a, a boundary that was tested or that you face and what you did about it uh, even in, in in my context of work, mm-hmm. uh, Josh, what you talked about, if someone was wanting to get a hold of me right now mm-hmm. because it's a massive crisis and I'm actually, say, at my son's birthday party or something right, right. like that, to actually go, I, I need to call you tomorrow. Uh, and right. to be confident enough in to be able to do that. And sure. no one's usually really good with that. No, I need you to talk to me now. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you didn't get into that problem right away. You can wait 12, 12 hours. Right, right. And, and to be okay uh, sure. to do that. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, other mistakes? Uh, I think it comes to mind, I think for me, it's a little less like deep than that. Uh, more uh, in line with the kind of stuff I do with marketing and media sure. and this. We did a promotion at the place I worked before where we did a whole Christmas handout invite card and then realized I didn't have the church name on it. Oh. That was so a big mistake. printed a thousand, yeah. six thousand yeah. things. And then realized... It's just a random promotion for Christmas. Hope you find hope somewhere you. to go for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it'll be our church. <laughs> Probably not. Probably yeah, not. that was a mistake. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah that's you can't proof enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. No, that's good. No, that's good. No. What do you guys got? Um, well, it depends in, in a... I think there's cases where, you know, copy someone an email that shouldn't be copied, you know, something like that. Um, There's a lot of practical things. In terms of ministry, um, I mean, I'm just kind of full-time focused in the last year. But before that, I think in general terms, it's um, getting so involved in church ministry, you lose your way in terms of what the point is, and then you make bad decisions around relationships, family, not unlike boundaries, Cliff, your point, where where, um, you're so involved in service that you forget what you're doing, why you're doing it, and and the job becomes just doing uh, church stuff. And it's a culture and a subculture, and you just get in this rat race of... You know, yeah. forgetting why you're doing what you're doing, yeah, pulling good. yourself on it. You're doing it at the expense of family, expensive relationship, all all that kind of stuff. That it's it's just destructive. Yeah. But you're in the middle of church. Yeah. You know what, what yeah. happened to me once? Um, I was somewhere and I heard some guy swear, and I gasped. <gasps> They swore. Right. And I realized, okay, I am way too insulated You're right too, now yeah. in my little church bubble. I right. need to get out. Right. Left for two weeks, hung out at pubs and whatnot, just you know, <laughs> just to get okay, let me get reacclimatized. Right. Got salty. Right. Yeah, you know, I got yeah, salty. Got salty again. <laughs> right. Um, what about you, Eric? For me, it was uh one time I was playing uh in a band and so we we're doing traveling ministry and we were playing a conference and I just I thought I had my theology like all together. I'm like, man, I know what's right. And like, you know, these guys are wrong. And so we were doing this like uh, prophecy night. And I was kind of like, I was like, oh, I don't know about this prophecy night. And uh, this guy was like, you know, oh, I just feel in the moment prophesy on the drums. I was the drummer. And he just looked at me and he just wanted me to prophesy on the drums. And I was like, what? I don't know. I don't do that. And he's like, no, prophesy in front of all the people. He just like kept like pushing me on. And so finally I just started like playing drums and he's like, oh, I can feel the spirit in the mood. And anyway, this just went on for like 15 minutes and it was totally crazy. And I left. And John's I, mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what does that even, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so, so then, so then I like, we make fun of like the guy like backstage and it was like really immature about it. And then I went out and how, uh, sorry, how long did you 
you prophesy on the drums? I prophesied on the drums for <laughs> about play 15, the drums? <laughs> right. for about 15, 15 minutes, minutes. Just as a solo, as yeah. the rest of the people were praying. As the rest of the people were praying, right, right, and right. I just thought it was so funny. We're like, man, yeah. this is bogus. Like, right. And then I went out and had like a line of people like come up and like tell me, it's like, man, I feel like I understand the gospel for the first time. It's like all this <laughs> stuff, and I was like, <laughs> and I just, and I just, it blew me away, right. like that God works outside of right. our theological boundaries uh-huh. and it's like man i gotta stop this like team mentality and that was a real shift for me yeah that's good that's yeah. good hmm. and uh and mine uh you know you guys have heard many times in the churches for many times um but the telling the person their husband was dead and uh, yeah, wasn't i don't know mm-hmm. i don't that's, i hope that's to an never, awesome yeah i hope to never yeah. top that no <laughs> I hope there's never a story where uh, you know i say well i've got two <laughs> so that was the worst uh, for sure and i learned a lot but you know um, Satan also, uh, used it to discourage me in life and ministry and, and have voices in my head about what I was equipped to do. And I was just basically playing, you know, he was like, you're just basically dressing up like a pastor, like an adult, like you're wearing daddy's clothes and you're playing a game and you really can't do any of this. I remember actually mm. you yeah, came yeah. in and saw me yeah. that day yeah. and I was white as a ghost oh, yeah. and like, I was done. You know, and you're yeah. like, what's up? And I'm just like, dude, this has been the worst. So, um, so yeah, just coming out of that and believing the gospel, preaching the gospel to yourself in the midst of mm. wacky mistakes that we make, um, can be really important. So, okay. Um, switching gears, uh, another topic. Um, a lot of the people who uh, are in our church and, you know, 90 six, 7% of people anyway, get married in life. And we, as pastors do a lot of hanging out, talking about marriage. We counsel marriages. A uh, uh, woman came in for a meeting just yesterday and her marriage had broken up and she was involved with somebody. So there's, there's all kinds of things going on at our church and a lot of meetings that we have around marriage and marriage counseling. Of course, Josh uh, is our counselor on staff, but we all do it. And so I just wanted to come around as you guys have met for everything cliff from 20 years to the last year or two or whatever in your pastoral ministries. um, What's one piece of advice for marriages uh, that we could give people in light of uh, the, the the crippling things that we're seeing, the, the, in light of what people are bringing to us and saying, here's the challenges we're facing in our marriage. What's one thing as pastors, people often want to get in and talk to a pastor and go help fix my marriage. Uh, why don't we just go around and talk about some things we've seen and some, some fixes or how we're actually shepherding uh, people through them. Uh, I would say be honest about sex struggles yeah like it's like the number one thing like people like when it comes to premarital thinking that premarital counseling or premarital premarital counseling uh yeah sorry (laughs) yeah yeah when it comes to premarital counseling i mean a lot of couples are struggling really important guys out there (laughs) counseling we mean not sex (laughs) uh you know people think that uh all of their you know lust struggles their porn addiction struggles are all going to go away when they get married yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. they're not dealing with the root, the heart problem that's causing these yeah. Yeah, sexual addictions. And the same thing happens like when I get married couples like coming in, and they want to talk about stuff. It's like they can't figure out. So he's addicted to porn, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she's dreaming of a man that's going to be way better, you know, with the kids and way better at helping around the house and all this stuff. Yeah, and, you know, they just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah, that second bit there, actually, I was thinking, um, I was talking to a, a young couple and they just got married this last year and I was like, hey, how's it going? And it was interesting 
um, she said, it's great, except I just expected very different things mm-hmm. kind of day to day. So for me, what I see a lot of is just people need to be open with expectations mm-hmm. and, uh, and everything like, like what's this person actually going to be like around the house? Like, are, are they actually responsible to pick up after themselves? Are they like all these little things that I think we take for granted become major frustrations when they, they all combine. Uh, and people think, oh, we're going to get married. It'll be fine. Yeah. All that little stuff doesn't really matter. And I think it's going to be like you two forever. Yeah. You got to know what you're getting into. And I think people just don't take it seriously enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what are you guys seeing? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to pare down. Relationships are so <laughs> complex. Um, yeah. I just think spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy, and emotional intimacy, uh, mm-hmm. huge categories that flow into each other. And so, uh, vulnerability is so important in each of those areas. And so trying to, um, how do you then be vulnerable? Um, how do you lean into your relationship with God so it can pour into your relationship mm-hmm. uh, with your partner? Emotional intimacy, how can you be vulnerable? And instead of attacking and going that route, actual layer down and get down to what am I really looking for here? Sure. And being vulnerable, asking your partner for that, and that's risky. Right. Um, and that plays out even physical intimacy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the most vulnerable thing you do, we don't run around naked uh, with each other. But with our partner, we are. We um, totally do. And so that's a beautiful gift that we share. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday night at my place. <laughs> only yeah. Friday night. Right, only Friday night. Right. After the kids are in bed. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, trying to then enter right into that with them, right. share that vulnerability, share that intimacy, and that flows into emotional and spiritual, and mm. they all just feed into each other. So kind of what? assessing each of those areas. Uh, yeah, hitting on, on those, I mean, we teach a class uh, for people who've married, you know, three years and under. And one of the things that we see is the expectations thing. We thought it was going to be this. We see the sex thing. We thought that even the sex life was going to be this, this, and this. And both are often disappointed, both the guy and the girl, because they expected all these things. So, um, you know, it's interesting to me how we uh, actually shepherd these guys through this stuff before, as you're saying, during the premarital phase, that we help set up real life situations and real expectations around this is what it's going to be and not this and how. But as much as I do that, I still have these couples coming yeah. back a year mm-hmm. later going, but, but, but I thought, I thought, I thought, I yeah. thought. So mm-hmm. it's a really, you know, it's a difficult thing. And, um, what it's interesting on the sex note that I find, uh, both cause it usually it'd be like, maybe the girl is disappointed with what she thought it was going to be. And it's not that, but even the guys are saying it, they're coming and saying, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. Mm-hmm. And our sex life actually sucks. And mm-hmm. we're only a year and a half in and we thought we'd be doing it six nights a week. And it's not like that. And I don't understand. So how do we, mm-hmm. what do we, what do we do to, to prep them for that? Because we live in this interesting thing as Christians where we don't let anyone touch each other before they're married mm-hmm. and then they get married and then it's like, right. you know, go crazy. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we fix that or address it? Well, I think part of it, even programmatically with uh, Cliff doing the marriage prep um, mm-hmm. and going through and then doing premarital on top of that. Yeah, you try to do a preemptive strike. Counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Do your your mentor couples talk about sex with these couples? Uh, Yeah. How, 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 you know, serious, how... Well, you do. Do you not? Yeah, we we, we do a whole thing. It's actually this Sunday we talk about sex. And one of the things we talk about is 
having a sex ethic. We think, uh, I think Song of Solomon uh, talks about a sex ethic between uh, the husband and the wife. And mm-hmm. so uh, I move away from the, the amount of sex or the quality of sex. Rather, we talk about how that grows uh, as you sure. grow as sex a couple. Sex gets better. Yeah. Sex uh, is better 10 years in. No question than about three it. Three years in. Yeah. But rather to embrace a sex ethic. But part of that, though, that what, we, what we'll talk about is how um, the effects of our fallen world has wrongly informed us mm-hmm. on what sex mm-hmm. expectations mm-hmm. are. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's the, to divest yourself of the wrong information mm-hmm. and then to acquire the right information. Right. And that just takes time. So we just talked to couples saying, you're going to have to unlearn some of the wrong things mm-hmm. and then learn a biblical sex ethic and move on from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. it's mm-hmm. good. One other side note. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where the communication piece is so important. So we're talking about sex, but then, yeah, man, it can be finances. It can be uh, just yeah. personal habits, whatever it might be that come up. And that's going to change different seasons of life. So you'll hit that right up front and it's huge opportunity. You may not feel like it, but huge opportunity to how do we navigate stuff when it mm-hmm. comes up? If we're yeah, physically, if things aren't meeting our expectations, do we just then bury that and it becomes resentment um, or just put this huge weight on our partner? Or do we actually have those difficult conversations with mm-hmm. each other? Mm-hmm go back and forth, show that, Hey, I matter to you. You can count on me. If you reach for me, I'm there for you, uh, in those conversations. So then if an issue comes up, um, yeah, couples go, they've been married 50 years and all of a sudden health concerns enter in and, Mm -hmm. uh, okay, sex is now different. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, well, if you have that foundation in place, like, yeah, we've talked about this on a different scale Mm -hmm. that then goes right into that new conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, so having those conversations from day one, uh, with each other. John, any thoughts on that? I know you and Donna do a lot of meeting with couples and marriage stuff and have for many years. What are you seeing? Um, I think in addition to some of the communication things, of course, uh, expectations, setting them ahead of time, all that good stuff. The one thing that's popped up a bit more is how people don't take your advice. (laughs) Um, And that uh, an analogy I've told a few couples is like, if you knew one of the other cancer and there was a pill or a disease that if you take this every day, this is going to work. This is going to fix it. Would you do it? Or, uh, you know, that doesn't work right now. It doesn't fit my schedule or it's not convenient or it's too hard or it's this or that. It's like, and because it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's, it's, uh, you know, something you can't see. Mm -hmm. We tend to think it will just kind of get better, maybe dabbling and fixing here and there. Mm But with the, with the medical side, there's typically a procedure. It's this and this, and it's take do this regimen. Do this, do this, mm-hmm, do this, mm-hmm. and you will get better. Right. Um, but the resistance uh, sometimes of, mm-hmm. hey, it's beyond just counseling, of course. It's mm-hmm. like, go do this, go do that. So, and it's, um, you can't make people do something they don't want. But just, the, I guess the, if I sum it up, the 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 uh, resistance to understanding how deep the problem is, how how sick the relationship is, how it's a cancer in the relationship, and the resistance to actually deal with it in the way you deal with a medical issue. But it's not mm-hmm. always so cut and dry. Like for me, one of the things that uh, even in my own marriage, um, I realized as you know, after 10, 15 years, how my sin tendencies influence everything with my marriage. Sure. And so for me, I back up and I go, what are my sin tendencies? Uh, and what I'm trying to impose on Aaron, is it a sin tendency or not? But the problem with the sin tendency is 
you're generally kind of blind to it. And so it's easy to sit there and say, I would take that pill if it would work, but I just don't think I need that pill. Why? I'm blind. And that to me is one of the biggest issues with couples is sitting there recognizing you don't know what you don't know. So now in light of that, can you move forward? Some couples can and some can't. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a trust. Okay. Um, Good stuff, guys. And obviously we... Uh, you know, as pastors, we're always in the world of helping fix marriages and counsel people. And so uh, if you're out there and, you know, you got major stuff going on in your marriage, please, uh, we love you guys. I want to chat with you and, and counsel you through it. Thank you for listening to the Village Church podcast show. You can find out more about Village Church at thisisvillagechurch.com.